So somewhere last week, I came across a verse uh, from this psalm, and it just kind of impacted me. Uh, not in a dynamic, life-changing, course-altering, oh, I've found my purpose in life type of impact, right? Just enough for me to scribble the reference on a sticky note on my desk. Right? Now, if you do that, you've been impacted. Right? On Monday afternoon, I opened my Bible study program and copied what I had just read to you and pasted it to a blank Word document. Then over the next two days, I read it over at least a dozen times, looking and listening for why the impact. Uh, can I say to you, if you feel a, a nudge, an impact, a, a sense of something from the Lord, don't just move on. Don't just abandon it there in the moment. Search the thing out, right? It's the glory of the king to search a matter out. Right? Pursue what God is touching you with. That's what I did. I discovered two things. First, that there is so much truth and revelation in these verses concerning the character of God as it relates to his dealing with people that you could study these verses for years and still not grasp it all. I just reread that on your own. Second is the answer to the why the impact question. It has to do, at least as a point of connection, with verse 7 in particular. Psalm 103, verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts. Now that's not acts like you chop down a tree with. right? His acts, A-C-T-S, to the people of Israel. So why the distinction between the two? Did Moses get to know God's ways in addition to his acts? are in contradistinction to the acts that Israel experienced. Why should that matter to us? And if it does, where will that take us as individual believers and are as the corporate people of God? Now certainly it is intimated that Moses knowing God's ways above and beyond God's acts is of more significance than not knowing his ways. Perhaps a higher calling, a deeper connection, or a more intimate relationship. If that is true, then how is that standing pursued? Is it a learned process or the natural consequence of longevity of commitment? Let's look at the acts of God first. I am sure you've all heard the phrase, it was an act of God, right? Or perhaps you have seen that phrase on an insurance policy, right? where an act of God is different from an accident, right? Why? Because when God acts, it is outside of all human control. So usually the phrase is referencing a natural disaster or a cataclysmic event where no human hand or will had any part in the event, but it happened nonetheless. Now, does that mean that acts of God are always disasters? No, of course not. Because if it did, then we'd all be toast. Right? But here's the good news. God acts are always mandated and implemented by God's ways. I'll say that again. God's acts are always mandated and implemented by God's ways. And we'll touch on this shortly. 
So the acts of God belong strictly and solely to God and God alone. Often they are events where God displays his glory, his power, his righteousness, mercy, or goodness. They can be shown through his people, but more often than not, they are shown for his people. A simple example. Jesus is approaching his suffering and death, and he is conveying to his disciples his own inner state of being. John 12, 27. This is Jesus speaking. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. So all of that he just said to his disciples, to those listening to him, right? Then he kind of turns his attention up. Maybe he tilts his head back and he looks up to heaven and he says this, a quick prayer. Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. A pause. Then a voice came from heaven. Okay, you're in a conversation with a guy who tells you he's hurting and then mutters a quick prayer and all of a sudden, bam, a voice comes from heaven. Think about that. Just think about that happening to you someday, somehow, somewhere, right? You're just standing in a conversation. This guy's pouring out his stuff and all of a sudden, voices are coming from heaven. voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. So here is an act of God. He spoke from heaven with an audible voice to reassure Jesus at one level But Jesus states clearly that this was not about him. It was for them. It was for us. Father God wanted them to hear his voice at this very pivotal point in Jesus' ministry, and they did. And watch what they do with it. The crowd that stood there and heard it, right? The writer is emphatic. They heard it. They all heard the voice from heaven. Said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Why? What prevented them from really hearing what had been clearly stated by God? I mean, God is not like a, a guy. He doesn't mumble. He doesn't mutter. My wife is always saying that to me. You, Dick, you're mumbling. I can't understand a word you're saying. You're muttering. You know, open your mouth bigger. God isn't like that. When God speaks, you know it. Then why this? I think it's the Moses distinction. Listen to the writer of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice. Today, if you hear his voice. What does that say to you? Yes, You can hear his voice. Today, if you hear his voice. Now, if you hear his voice, you're going to react to that in some way, shape, or form. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test 
and saw my works. They saw my acts, right, for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. Why? They have not known my ways. For 40 years, they saw what God could do, but they never knew his ways. And because they didn't know his ways, they erred, they erred, and they hardened their heart. They saw my works or the acts of God, but they have not known my ways, the heart or nature of God. And it was the same here with Jesus. They saw his acts, his works, the healings, the miracles, the deliverances from demonic oppression, and even his raising people from the dead, but they could not grasp his ways, the expression of who he actually is, his heart or his expression of the Father because their hearts were hardened to his ways. They did not have ears to hear. That ever happened to you? I watched this happen just the other day. You get so hardened in your opinion or desire to do or be a certain way that you can no longer hear what people are trying to tell you. Come on. Right? Some, some of us might say, oh, you're getting stubborn in your ways. No, you're hardening your heart. And once you harden your heart, you don't listen anymore. Right? You get stuck in yourself. So God impacts the flesh in order to reach the heart. How many of you have said, boy, God has really been working on me? Hmm? And whenever I hear that, I want to ask, well, what is he after? What has to change in you? And it's usually some issue of the heart, opinion or attitude, that if left unchanged, and here's the point, if left unchanged would diminish the quality of life, I mean abundant life, kingdom life, for that individual. You all know how it works, right? I was just going to do such and such when all of a sudden this or that happened and so-and-so showed up and I just knew that God was at work. The thing you set out to do, you didn't do because something interfered. Some small thing changed the course of your moment, right? That's the act of God. God works on us in order to work in us. And he acts within the framework of what I want to call the higher than principle. Look back at Psalm 103 again, verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. Higher than. Higher than. So you get this, right? God acts are the things he does. But his ways are the expression of who he is. At least at the relational level. So his ways are higher than his acts. And his ways always dictate his acts. 
Therefore, to know his ways is superior to knowing his acts. Jesus addresses this in Matthew 7, 21. He's talking about the end of days. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? See, those are all the acts of God. We did all of that stuff. You should be proud of us. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. That intimates that they didn't know him either. They didn't know his ways. So what are his ways? Back to Psalm 103. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is. Not the Lord does these, or not mere acts that God performs, no, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding steadfast love is the expression of who he is, and these expressions know no bounds. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. This is what Moses came to know in knowing God. And how did Moses come to know God's ways? Well, check out this conversation. This is in Exodus 33. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, Please show me now your ways. Please show me now your ways, that I may know you. This is a smart guy. In order to find favor in your sight, consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, that is God said back to Moses, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And he said to him, Moses, back to God, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not that you're going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please, show me your glory. And God said to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face 
shall not be seen. So when God wants to express himself, he expresses his goodness. His goodness. And as he does, he also positions us in a secure place, the cleft of the rock. And of course, this draws our attention immediately to another rock in Exodus when they had run out of water in the wilderness in Exodus 17. Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. They're so thirsty, right? What a group, huh? That's why we don't allow any rocks in here. (laughs) And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. I want to show you a second incident similar and see if you notice the subtle differences. This is in Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 2. Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that you, we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. And there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother. And tell the rock before their eyes to yield water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. So what's the distinctives? Speak to the rock. What else? Okay, what else? Okay. First time, he only took the elders, right? second time, everybody got to see. Everybody got to see what God was about to do. Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. (laughs) You can see where this is going, can't you? (laughs) Right? Doesn't just a couple of words and it's already it's going downhill fast, right? Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. Twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So why the harsh response to Moses? Because he chose the act over the ways. 
Moses knew his ways, but he chose to do an act. Look at God's words. You did not believe in me. Not my words. You didn't believe. It wasn't that he didn't believe his instructions. You did not believe in me, in his person, in his ways, to uphold me. Besides this is not just any rock. It is the rock, okay? The rock here beside me that has been cleft for your safety, the rock of ages, smitten to meet your needs so that you do not perish in the wilderness of your life. He has been smitten and stricken once and for all and now gives freely the waters of life to all who come. This is God's full expression of his ways, his steadfast, abundant, higher-than-the-heavens love for us. I will stand on the rock, and you shall strike it to bring forth life, but only once and for all. Paul, talking to the Corinthian church about these events, says this in chapter 10, verse 1. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. Here it is. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Here God, in the overflow of his steadfast and abundant love, not only provides for the immediate need of water, but also reveals that his ways are the remedy and source to meet their eternal needs. John 3.16 if you've ever been to a football game or watched it on TV, you should know this scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so what the world? What's his love? It's so abundant. It's higher than the heavens are in the earth, and that's expressed through Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Freely given in love by the Father once and for all, the rock that is by him, the rock that he stands on to be smitten and stricken for our iniquities, has now become our open and free-flowing source of the waters of life. Just ask, just ask, no performance, no acts, no striving, no striking required. Your debt is prepaid in full through Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. And so the prophet Isaiah, seeing this in the spirit, declares 800 years before the event in Isaiah 55, 1, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food and climb your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love. 
Behold, I made him a witness, that is David, to the people, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. He's talking about us. He's talking about us because of what Christ did. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. His ways as well as his love are higher than our ways. Our thoughts as high as the heavens are above the earth. And as the ultimate expression of his love to us was Jesus, so is his ultimate expression of his ways. Listen to Jesus in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, clear as a bell, I am the way. I am the way. Truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, if you had known me, if you had known my ways, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else on account of the works themselves. Because of the finished work of Christ, we have access to both his acts and his ways by his Holy Spirit. And as it was for Moses, so it is for us. We have not because we ask not. So let's ask. First of all, I want to ask, does anyone here in this room or any of you watching online, do you know Jesus Christ as the rock of ages? Do you know him as that secure place for your life, that clefted rock where the Father can place you to secure you for the rest of your life, for all eternity? Have you ever invited Christ into your life to redeem you from your sin because of the work he did on the cross? Have you acknowledged that he died for you and that Father God raised him from the dead to confirm every word, every act, every deed that Christ ever did was proven by the fact that God raised him to life again? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior today? Could we take a moment? I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If this is your prayer, then pray it with me. Father God, we thank you for your ways. 
We thank you that you're not just some dumb idol that we can go in and see and leave food offerings for. You're not some deaf and dumb piece of stone carved into the image of something. Lord, that you are alive, you are active, that you're a listener, you're a lover of our soul, O oh God. You're a giver of good gifts. Lord, we have seen your acts. We've seen the wonderful things that you can do. We've seen lives change. We've seen people healed. We've seen miracles and signs and wonders, oh God. But we want to know your ways. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Just as the giver of good gifts, just as the presence of the living Christ, would you come and, and fill this room? Would you come and touch every heart in this place that is desiring for a deeper connection with you? We need you so desperately, oh God. Father, we say yes and amen to your word today. Lord, that you have something better, that we can know your ways and enter into your rest where we stop striving, oh God, and you just work through us. There's so many that we know, oh God, who need a touch from you, and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We're looking to you, oh God. We know that you have the answer. We know that you have the way. We know that you are the way. And so we ask, as Moses asked, would you show us your ways, oh God, that we may know you and find favor in your sight. We thank you for the work of Christ. We thank you for the giving of your Holy Spirit. We ask for these things in Jesus' name, for his glory's sake, and for the well-being of souls. Amen and amen. If you need prayer today, there'll be some uh, prayer teams up here. If you're uh, considering taking the School of Kingdom ministry at the end of September, we have an information meeting at 12 o'clock here today. You can hang out or you can uh, go and have a snack somewhere and come back. Either way, we'll be here at 12 o'clock for that informational meeting. So go in peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his countenance shine brightly on you. And may you know him in a deeper way. Amen.